Welcome to The Daily Objective, Jonathan Honig with Nico Sipirakopoulos and our worldwide audience of students of objectivism, bringing you daily content across the whole specter of obje objectivism. We are all students, we're all learning together. We liken this to those late 60s, 1970s salons, which man, which Miss Rand uh, ran, ran often in her apartment, discussing issues of the day and doing our best to apply them with some of the biggest experts, and if you will, stars in objectivism, people like Don Watkins, uh, Jim Valiant, and of course, Nikos, uh, who's right here. Great to be with you, Nikos. And we got, a, I think, a pretty interesting topic today, one that is in many ways ripped from the headlines as so many of ours uh, right here are in the Daily Objective. Great to see you. Thank you. I'm not an expert, so put me on the student category. Well, we're all students of objectives. I think it's part of what makes us so fun. And um, the best way to continue your education, you know, in the old days, they have to, used to have to send around tapes. and It was very difficult to learn about objectivism. But the best way to learn about it is to support us, to become a member of the Ayn Rand Center UK. You get access to so many private events, exciting events, like, in fact, the, uh, the live events that are coming up in the United Kingdom uh, just this week. But even if you don't live in the United Kingdom, support what we're doing and you get to, to tune in. So we're talking today about property rights and particularly your stuff. And rather than you know, kind of keep it big picture, I thought we'd start with something very tactile, very understandable, something you can kind of metaphysically get your arm around or your wrist around. That is a wrist watch. You've seen that before, Nikos. I know a lot of younger people haven't seen that before, but a nice wrist watch. Many of us have them, have had them in the past. So let's just imagine this, if you gave someone your wristwatch, took it out of your wrist, you gave it to them. Does, does that person become its rightful owner? It's yours, you give it to them. Of course, right? Of course, came as their right, rightful owner. I mean, they, that person didn't earn the money, Nikos, as you know, to buy it. But when you gave him the watch, it became his property. And to begin with, that's just, when you think about it, that is such a major achievement. Just this idea of private property and the scheme, the history and ecos of mankind, that is very, very recent history in the history of man, yes, this idea of private property. It is, and the point is uh, how people are still completely unable to think in principles when it comes to private property. So you have, for example, the Marxists who claim that we are not against private property. So for example, we're not going to steal your pen but we don't accept private property, for example, in the means of production. And they will never identify what exactly that means. So as you said, throughout history, the idea is that the property belongs to the king, to, the la to, the, to, to, to God, to anyone but you. So this idea is a radical, but not only radical. So we don't run victory laps because even today, the vast, vast, vast majority of people do not accept it. And you brought the example of the of the watch. If I give you a watch, you all understand. Yeah, it's uh, the watch is yours. Right, and not even Bernie Sanders would. He'd say, "Okay, yeah, you gave him your watch." You know, who could argue with that? You give him your watch; it's their watch. Exactly. Watch. So again, obviously, putting the usual provisos that you got this watch; it's not stolen. That uh, you got it on the on that you created, or you got it in a lawful way, or you didn't, and you didn't steal it. Now, if you make this, if you make this not watch, but money, or if you make it not one watch, but let's say 500,000 watches, then people start having an issue. Then, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, if it's something one watch, yes, it's between you two. But now that loads of watches or 
loads of other values that are big, suddenly something changes. And you ask them, okay, what exactly changes? And again, because of our complete inability to think in principles, that the same principle that applies to one watch should apply to $5 trillion or to 8 million watches, suddenly people say, no, 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 something has changed here. You forgot to ask me, or you, for, you need to ask someone else for permission to do that. Or you need, to, you need to get our permission, or you need to pay ransom to do that. So how simple things would be if we would just learn to think in principle? The same thing that applies for one watch applies for trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And, and you know, Rand identified this and spoke about this, Nikos, and I think this is, this is such a great way of thinking about it. Civilization is the progress towards a society of privacy. Privacy, the, again, quoting from Ms. Rand, the savage's whole existence is public ruled by the laws of his tribe. Tribe Civilization is a process of setting man free from me. And just that whole idea, Nikos, imagine we're living in a, a tribe, you know, we, we kill a gazelle or something and the whole tribe gathers around and they're gonna decide who gets it and who gets it. But, you know, it's all public. And this idea of private property being private and having your own discretion. And as you said, I mean, before really the enlightenment, who owned property? It was the king. I believe in the UK still, the king or the, the crown holds all, technically holds all the land, owns all the land. It was the dictator. It was the tribal leaf, as you said. And, you know, they were going to decide. And that, you know, when the, when the chief owns it, you don't own it. You know, they can revoke that permission at any time. And so the idea is, is that, you know, Nikos, as you said, well, usually it's not about a, a watch, but it certainly could be. They'd say, oh, no, you can't give your watch to Rozzy. You know, we're going to tell you how to assign it. We're going to give it to the tribe. We're going to give it that upper right-hand picture. That is a kibbutz. You know, so the kibbutz is going to decide the greater good or the fuhrer or the religion. And they, as you said, I mean, when you don't have property rights, again, to paraphrase in this case, Ms. Wren, no other rights are possible. Yeah, because think about it. think about it this way. How about, because the, the example, the justification they would use is that now suddenly other people are involved. So for example, if you, Jonathan, want to leave me a, a million dollars, what about other people who are gonna be left out? For example, someone poor. So the idea is this, the state, society, or a group will decide who needs it more. And their justification is when it comes to one, what's between you and me? When it comes to bigger amounts, somehow more people are involved. But here is how this is a completely bogus explanation. Let me give my favorite example. Let's say you have a crush on a girl, and this girl has a boyfriend. Bad luck, it happens. And she wants to marry that boyfriend. You could say, wait a minute, but I, I should also have a say. This thing impacts me as well. And of course, everyone in his right mind would say, of course not. This is a voluntary relationship between two people. She owns her body, he owns her body, and they come together in a voluntary deal. People don't like the term, but it's basically two people shaking hands. Maybe it's not shaking hands, it's maybe embracing passionately and giving a kiss. The principle is the same. So this idea that there are other people who should have a say, in the same way that we figure out that, no, <laughs> only the people who are the rightful or the, chose, the rightful owner and the chosen one 
in the other case, the rightful owner of her body, the girl, and the chosen one, her boyfriend. Only these two people have a say. And whether they are going to exchange vows of love or trillions of dollars, the principle should be the same. Thank you, Marilene, by the way, for your very generous super chats. We're inviting everyone to, to join us on the super chat. And what Nico said is, is this idea of thinking in principle so that it's not every point at every point you say, this is my paraphrasing of it, but it's like, oh, well, we believe in property rights, but not if you're really rich or not if you have this skin color or not if there's this type of inequality that we really need to fix and this idea of thinking in principles and principles and this principle of private property. I mean, Nikos, you saw that at least in the States these last couple of years when there's like vandalism or hoodalism, hooliganism, hooliganism. Hooliganism. Thank you. People say, oh, well, it's just property. It's not, you know, it's just property that's being affected here. But, you know, as again, this idea of private property is that right to earn it, to keep it, and to the watch example, to dispose of it. And, and it's property is the product of your mind. Again, I'm paraphrasing this Rand here, just as a man, or not quoting from her, just as a man can exist without his body, no rights can exist without the right to translate one idea, one's ideas into reality, to think, to work, and to keep the results, which means the right to property. That is from, from Galt's speech. And that, that kind of, cre understandably, and this is my understanding of Nikos, kind of taking that idea of what is property. It's the right to, it's the product of your own mind. And people say, well, if someone gave you that watch, you didn't earn it, but someone earned it. Someone created it, someone traded to get it, and they have the right to dispose of it. And if it means giving it to you, whether it's a watch or a million dollars, that's it. That's and of course choice. you have earned it in a way. You have earned it because that person chose you. Maybe it was a wrong choice. But again, let's bring it back to the romantic realm. All the time we do wrong, mis wrong choices. Should there be someone who says, no, uh, that boyfriend didn't earn your love. Therefore, I declare you not anymore a, a couple irrespective of what you two think. So again, this should be the principle. Also, if we agree that society should have some say on how you deal with your property, i.e. how you deal with the product of your labor, of your mind, then why not take it to the extreme where society has full control on it? And again, we've seen it in history. So I was reading uh, recently, I, I keep reading uh, the two huge volumes of the biography of Stalin by Stephen Kotkin. And something I, I was surprised was that forced labor in gulags was not a secret. It was open, it was in the newspapers, and actually people, intellectuals were traveling from abroad and going to the gulags and seeing it. And the idea was this, that these people, they have wronged society, and therefore now they're just working for society. And so again, it's this idea that if 1%, if society has a say on 1% of your value, sorry, of your labor and the value you produce, why shouldn't society have a say on 100%? So rights are- I mean, yeah. yeah, it's like everything's wrong about it. There's the altruism and uh, part of it. Uh, you know, it's that, that people's need counts. There's the fixed pie mentality of it. This idea that there's this fixed group of wealth and someone, the tribal leader, the Fuhrer, the king, they're gonna decide how to, to piece this fixed tribe. And then there's the, there's the, I don't know, there's the um, sacrificial part of it that it's okay if it's just a few wealthy people 
better sacrifice. You know, here in the States, you often have this thing of Elizabeth Warren will say, oh, well, it's just 40 wealthy families that are being uh, hurt and they can afford it anyway. So that's, that's sacrificial lamb. And I have to say, you know, Nico's the, 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 the practical and the moral are always the same as Ms. Rand points out. And for people who say, oh, well, you're just gonna have this generational wealth. Dr. Peacock in one of his podcasts mentioned this, this uh, expression that used to be commonplace in the United States from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves, you've, you've heard of, in three generations. If someone who makes the wealth, big, you know, wealthy, he leaves it to the son, the son pisses it away. And by the time you get to that third generation, most of the wealth is gone. And that's usually the case the one exception is the Walton family, and they've been very smart. They've been very shrewd. They've been very productive. I mean, look at it. Walmart continues to continues to innovate. So, uh, it, you know, it's why you have to, I think, oppose all of it: taxes, tariffs, the estate tax, wealth tax, which is, you know, it seems like it's increasingly common, the income tax, and many, many more. Any of these ideas that says that brings us back to that tribe, to that idea of we're all savages sitting around and the tribal leader, the government is gonna decide who deserves the product of your mind more than you. Yeah, and it's actually, it's use of force, it's use of coercion. Therefore, the question is this, have when do we reach a point in civilization where finally, finally, we recognize that coercion is bad in the bedroom, for example. Then why is coercion okay when it's not about your body, but the product of your work. Of course, these people fail to make the connection between my mind created this. So they fail to make the connection between Steve Jobs' billions and his intellectual activity. So that, there, there's, there's, a, there's a problem there. So I would throw though the ball to the courts of our supposed allies in the liberal movement, classical liberal movement, who are these pragmatists would say, look, okay, you cannot have zero taxes. Let's have uh, 14%. I think 14% is the proper income tax. And again, the question is, if you give away 14% of your right to your life, why not 98 or why not two or why not? How did we come up with this number? I'm sure they have this formula. But again, when you give up the principle that your body and the products of your body and the products of your mind, this, as you said, by the mind, there is no dichotomy there that these are yours 100%, once you give up, once you give one centimeter of that principle, you lose the whole, you lose the whole, uh, you lose the whole battle. And can't be voted away. I mean, I was infuriated, I think, when I heard even uh, President Biden say, well, we have to, I'm paraphrasing, something effective like, well, we have to be the opponents of authoritarianism, authoritarianism, we have to be democracies. So this idea that, well, as long as, and you know, Don Watkins has a, had a great line, which I've stolen before, but I'll give him, always give him full credit. He says something like, in effect, it's wrong. You, you know, it's wrong if you go to your neighbor's house and steal their flat screen. You go to your neighbor's house and steal their stuff. So why does it make, okay, make it okay if everyone votes on it? Votes and says you can go steal it. You know, it doesn't make it right. And you know, Nikos, to your point, why should you oppose all of those taxes, all of those uses of force, not because it's impractical, because it leads to starvation and less wealth for everyone. But as you said, it's the morality. That is what matters, the morality of it. Again, quoting from Ms. Moran, no human rights can exist without property rights. 
Since material goods are produced by the mind and the effort of individual men and are needed to sustain their lives, if the producer does not own the result of his effort, he does not own his life. It's the morality of it, whether that person is a multi-multi-billionaire or just earns $2 on the street. That's why you should oppose and understand who owns the product of your wealth. You do. And who else is talking about this? Who else is standing up, Nikos, not just for you know, the everyday, but what is it they always say, the middle class, so-called middle class, but the, the atlases, the Steve Jobs, if you will, only us here within objectivism and at the Ayn Rand Center UK, because we think and we hopefully apply Ms. Rand's ideas, objectivism in principle. And we do it to everyday ideas and we do it within the world of finance and the world of politics and the world of aesthetics. And that's what you do when you support us. Um, we didn't see a lot of super chats today. Kind of disappointed on that, considering the efforts that we went to make this uh, this uh, um, slideshow. But talking uh, about you, talking about now your you can efforts, make up for it. talking about your intellectual efforts, can I uh, point to people? You have a chapter on this book, so this is the new textbook of Americanism, which you edited some uh, some years ago, around two thousand seventeen. So you have you have there a whole section on property rights. And two chapters, would it pay us to divide great fortunes? And what's the difference between cooperation and compulsion? I would encourage people to go check this out. Buy the book, obviously it has topics on every single issue which is related to the application of objectivism in politics. Well, and again, think in principle. We have the principles, it's our nuclear weapon. Others don't have them. And that's how it's, we, we should be able to use them and not to throw them away whenever it's convenient. You know, Jonathan, many people say uh, things like, well, I really hate that person. Therefore, for example, Twitter should be forced to throw them away. Or I really like this person, so Twitter should be forced to get them back. Or maybe Facebook can do censorship. What you're doing there is you give up your principles for some short-term gain. And again, the principle is the most It's a precious thing we have, and it's an it's a competitive advantage. So let's not be like, let's not be these guys who throw away principles whenever it's convenient. Principle is not a luxury; it's a necessity, and it's a guidance, and it's important for your life. Maybe someone remembers in our chat. And by the way, thank you, Frank. Very generous, Frank, who bought your book and owned Nikos's book. He says that he's staking an ownership claim and. Uh, the Ayn Rand Center UK, and we appreciate that. I mean, you have an ownership claim and that you are creating this. You are helping us spread the word and educate people and ed educate all of us about the, the uh, virtues of, uh, of objectivism and the values of objectivism. Thank you, Bonnie, for your support. And, you know, Nikos, to your, to your point, I mean, quickly about this, this book, uh, these aren't our ideas, these are Ms. Rand's ideas. And, you know, she asked the question, part of just the idea of people who might not be familiar with the new textbook of Americanism is Miss Rand wrote in the 1940s, a series of 33 questions defining it, if you will, or outlining the principles of what is Americanism. It was a textbook of Americanism. She only answered a portion of them. I believe she answered 10 or 12 of them. And uh, a, a group of scholars from the Ayn Rand Institute um, answered the rest. And the one we answered on property rights is, you know, would, us, would it pay us to divide great fortunes? So that gets to all this, this idea of property rights, which is so central 
to objectivism. Thank you, Allison, who says it's interesting to hear about property rights in the DMCA. If there's enough time in this epo episode or another, where does the line cross? I think that's the Digital Marketing Copyright Association. You know, that's a real interesting point because Nikos, people would say, well, you know, I, I believe in, in, in copyright, but what about in the digital world? You know, is that, that, that's something different. It almost reminds me of that idea from Miss Rand. I forget what she told the story, but where she or maybe Dr. Peikoff told the story where, oh, well, why are you against antitrust? In, right, you know the story. Yeah, about so the story is from the capital the known ideal. And she talks Thank about you. how she was talking to someone about how, uh, let's say, uh, and, uh, tariffs would be wrong for steel. And she would explain it to him for 40 minutes. And then she says, okay, yeah, I get it. But what about iron? So it's, what about it's basically iron, right? the same, it's, it's, it's basically right, the same I, principle. I understand why you know uh, antitrust or right, tariffs are bad in this industry, but what about that industry? Can't think in principle. So I'll just, Allison, we will tackle that, but I believe, and I think just preemptively, Nikos probably understands that. I, again, our application, I think objectivism would believe that the principle of property rights applies. And just as Adam Lossop has talked about in the physical world, but also in the digital world and the ownership of copyright, the ownership of those ideas. Um, that it's so there's so much to talk about. We'll continue to talk about it and we could do it, Allison, because of your support, becoming a member, uh, supporting these ideas, exploring these ideas. And that's why the best way to do it is with the super chats. That's easy. But the most probably meaningful way is to become a member. Meaningful for us, Nikos, because we get those, it's friggin' five, 10 pounds a month. It's nothing, it's coffee money. But even more importantly, it gets you access to all the private events. James Valiant, Harry Binswanger, who knew Miss Rand, worked with Miss Rand, uh, published a book, if you will, with Miss Rand, the Ayn Rand Lexicon, and, and so many others, um, and supports all the work. So become a member and keep the conversation going. And next week for members, there are all these events in London featuring people like Lisa Van Damme, Gina Gorlin, Tal Svani, Keith Loktich, Aaron Smith, Yaron. So, we Nikos are bringing Sorry? At Nikos as well. And put your name on that list as well. You'll be presenting. Yeah. So Raz is basically, yeah, I'm going to be there, obviously. So Raz is bringing you the, the dream team of objectivism. Raz is bringing you the best. Okay. Also, the Anran Institute is bringing you because Raz is not bringing him by himself. But it's the energy of Raz that materialized the idea that before the conference, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, first, second, and third, we have the Iron Run Con Europe. That's the big climax of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have the pre-conference things that Iron Run Center UK is doing together with, uh, together with Iron Run Institute. So I would encourage you to become, first of all, to become members. B, travel there. It's going to be good fun. If you are anywhere near in Europe, we're going to hang out together. It's going to be good fun in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, in a city that has given up COVID rules. So why not? If you still think about it, book these tickets. It's going to be a good time. I was like you, by the way, people, those of you who are still thinking it. I wasn't big in conferences. Also, because I'm a diva, my line was always, I'm not going to a conference unless I speak in that conference. Yet, first time I went to an objectivist conference, although I was speaking, it was, it was a very special experience. And uh, since then, I haven't missed a conference that I could, have, uh, I, could have been, I could have been there. So 
if you are on the line or how it's called the if you are undecided make the trip there you we're gonna have a good time we're gonna no matter if you are introvert social you just want the events you want to socialize whatever you want there's gonna be something for you also Anyway, there were so many things. So no, many yeah, things. And it's, yeah, and it's more fun if you're not speaking or not presenting because you just go get to hang out and there's no expectation ecos of any of these conferences that you're an expert, you know, you're an objectivist, so everything you have to say, this and that. There's so many people from so many different groups and backgrounds and people who are CEOs and people who are students or just learning or just getting into it. So, um, you know, it's, it's great fun. And, and in so many of these countries in Europe, Nikos, and so many of our listeners and subscribers from all over all over the world, all over the, year, the world, in their little area, they might be one of only a few objectivists. So it's fun. You get together and you can say, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, this, this annoys me too, or this is cool too, or let me tell you. So it's really fun to get together, either meet people from all over Europe, all over the world, and uh, be part of something that is really not just a book, but a movement. So join us in the UK. Indeed, indeed. All right, well, thank you to all the super chatters, all the supporters. We will be here tomorrow, of course, with another uh, episode of The Daily Objective. But stay tuned to the channel, subscribe, ring the bell so that you're notified whenever we go live. And of course, more than anything, join us, spread the word. We've got, you know, when you support us, you're not just supporting one show, Nikos, but you're supporting a whole network. I, I'm sure Miss Randa could probably imagine it. Coming up at 8.30 p.m. UK, James Valiant is discussing Ayn Rand's essays, What is Romanticism and Bootleg Romanticism, which is so cool, Nikos, because people always think, oh, Ayn Rand, I get it, selfishness and capitalism, what else is there? But there's all this about aesthetics and romanticism and James is so good about it, he's so passionate about it. At 10, at 10 p.m. UK, Artful Tuesdays with Kirk Barbera, he'll be doing a reading uh, uh, we were reading a ballad curfew must not ring tonight, which I've not heard, but Kirk, again, this idea of aesthetics, that's what I'm getting into Nikos too. Politics is just so boring. It's such a cesspool. Aesthetics, enjoying life, applying these principles to your life, to enjoy life, to get so much out of it, to see uh, what's possible in the world, what's beautiful in the world. So we'll be covering that all night tonight on the, the uh, Ayn Rand Center UK. So join us, support us what we're doing. I can't top that. So thank you, Jonathan. And a big thank you to our supporters and our audience for keeping us company. We'll see you next time. Thank you again.